Welcome to Big Blend Radio, where we celebrate variety and how it adds spice to quality of life. Welcome, everybody. We are talking about Black history in music in Georgia today with Joey Stuckey. Joey Stuckey is here on Big Daily Blend, our Big Blend Daily Blah Blah, the Big Daily Blend every <laughs> fourth Sunday. I can say it, right? I can Easy say for it. you to say. Yeah, yeah. But you know what? On Sundays, we like to raise a glass uh, and do a champagne toast. And today we're toasting to the African-American music experience of Georgia, which is massive. Um, It is huge. In fact, I'm going to put a link to a show that Joey was on for celebrating Georgia Day uh, back on February 12th this month. And so I'll put a link into that because he touches on that as well. But Georgia is huge in music and definitely in African-American music. But we're going to start off in his town of Macon, Georgia, where he is the official music ambassador. Uh, Macon, Georgia is known as the Southern Rock Capital of the World. And as you know, Joey is an award-winning blind guitarist. He's a songwriter, singer, composer, producer, radio and TV personality, a music columnist, educator and sound engineer. How about that? I cleared up my bumbling words. That was great. Yeah. Yeah. I can't yeah, you know, rap Sundays though or do are... hip hop like everybody in Atlanta can. Because man, <laughs> I mean, when you have a whole Wikipedia page listing all the hip hop artists oh, of we... Atlanta, that's like crazy, man. That's there, cool. I mean, there are there's a few places in the world where hip hop is really powerful. You know, L.A. is one, New York City is another, but Atlanta, Georgia, is really uh, hip hopping. It, it really is. It really, really is. And and there's so much amazing music from there. Um, it's just, it's just, a, yeah. Oh yeah. We're doing really well with those too. Um, yeah. And, and of course we're, you know, we're, we, we got smart. We had, we offered tax incentives to these music companies, uh, movie companies to come in and film in our town, in our state. Well, and, they, uh, my, you know what? I, I want to touch on that real quick, but they basically took over California. I mean, they did. And I think Tyler Perry, um, since we're talking about African-American history, did yes. a lot of that. And, We've been to some of the areas where things like The Walking Dead were filmed. Yeah, yeah. And um, sometimes I feel like that, The Walking Dead. But when you think about even traffic of, of Atlanta, dudes, come on. But, traffic um, in Atlanta is pretty bad. Although uh, uh, having just gotten back from uh, uh, two weeks in L.A., uh, I don't know, L.A. traffic the Sorry. people in LA say people in LA say that Atlanta traffic's worse, but I think worse. But I think that they are just trying to convince themselves that LA is not so bad. But yeah. traffic there is brutal, brutal. I, I mean, it's just I, it's crazy. I kind of get LA traffic better than Atlanta. Maybe it's from what? because we live no. in Southern California. Something's I wrong. get lost in Atlanta every single time we go through there, and I should just stay on the highway because normally we're going. You know, we do our pet sits out in Peachtree City and everything. But, yeah. um, oh, hey, speaking of African-American musicians in um, Georgia, we got to bring up Zakia Hooker. She lives out in Douglasville. Uh, and, yeah. and her husband. Yeah, we can't leave them off the list. Holy cow. No, yeah, they um, they are amazing. Um, just Zakia is uh, uh, John Lee Hooker's daughter, and she lives out there, and she's just got a new album out, too. So I encourage people to go and check out her music. And, yeah, she has um, some real good stuff on YouTube if you want to find her quickly. That's a yeah, good way. It is, absolutely. And I'll put I'll put a link in the show notes for that, too, because 
we've, we've done quite a few interviews with her over the years, as well as her husband. Um, he's amazing too. He was from the natural four. Oh, they're really, they're both outstanding. All right. So um, I'll put a link into that for everybody to, to check out those interviews, but let's, let's go to what you were talking about. Uh, you've got, you've got, you know, Macon, Georgia, that's your home and you've got some very, okay. We know Ray Charles is huge in Georgia. We've got to bring that up. Well, but... he, 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 he's huge in Georgia because he made our, our state song so famous. That's one of the big, big reasons that he's so beloved but he's amazing. Uh, here. Yeah, yeah. And he's amazing. Uh, also, he's blind, so he's awesome for that reason as well. So I'm, you know, gotta gotta love my other blind um, musician brothers there. But uh, yeah, I think you know, I think what's so interesting about the small little town of Macon, Georgia, is that it's really the music that has come from here has really been a worldwide phenomenon. And the first person I think about when I think about you know, African-American history, and I think about world reach, and I think about ties to my hometown of Macon, Georgia, I think about Little Richard. And Little Richard, you know, influenced everybody from the Beatles to the Rolling Stones. I mean, he, he had a true, I think, watershed moment. His sound was so different uh, that it was a paradigm shift. And, uh, and And then, so if you think about how he influence artists that influence artists that influence artists you know the mm. beatles have, have influenced just about everybody so when you think about paul mccartney and john lennon and those guys loving little richard and saying oh my gosh this music this music you know that's that's pretty amazing and uh and then the other thing that people don't often know is that one of macon also has a tie through little richard to another paradigm shifting artist, someone who revolutionized the role and the sound of the electric guitar. And that is Jimi Hendrix, because Jimi Hendrix played in Little Richard's band for quite some time and then, you know, left and and uh, became the worldwide phenomenon that he is. So uh, just incredible. Uh, both truly, truly revolutionary uh, music people uh, that are African-American uh, and who have ties to Macon, Georgia, which is amazing. It is pretty incredible when you think about how one place just, it's the ripple effect, right? You never know where that note is going to go. <laughs> yeah, I mean, it's <laughs> funny because it, it's real strange. Like, you know, I don't want to get too off topic, but I will say you can. that this little area of, this little slice of Georgia has so many, and I know because I run a, I run a recording studio here in town, and I've also run local uh, media uh, things. I've written for all the local newspapers. I've done uh, Georgia music radio shows. I've done Georgia music TV shows, both web and terrestrial. So, I mean, I can tell you from personal experience that the amount of talent in this little area is just crazy. But the problem is that very few uh, of these incredible artists, you know, move beyond kind of being locally popular because in this area of our state, we still have a very poor musical infrastructure. So the only thing that separates Macon, Georgia from Nashville, New York, LA, you know, name your favorite music Mecca 
uh, is just music infrastructure. And myself and a handful of other people have tried to help create that infrastructure, but it's difficult. And um, mm. but I, I just I just marvel at the amount of talent that I encounter every single day. Uh, mm. Probably forty percent of my business comes from you know Georgia, and the rest is all international. But I mean, I can tell you that. Uh, the amount of talent is just staggering. I, I I don't I don't know what it is, but it's it's incredible. And I, and that brings me uh, to as I'm the official music ambassador appointed by the mayor and city council back in 2006 for making Georgia. Whenever I travel, which I do quite a lot of, I do a lot of lecturing and speaking and performing all over the world. And um, you know, I always want to talk about making because I I want people to know about this incredible town mm-hmm. with all of its wonderful art and all of its wonderful history. And the, the, I say making Georgia and like nobody kind of knows where that is. And then I say the next name and all of a sudden everybody is interested. And that is Otis Redding. Mm-hmm. And so Otis Redding is of course from making Georgia and was a true phenomenon. And if you think about, you know, his career didn't last very long before he sadly passed away. So, I mean, the impact he made was so incredible in such a short period of time. Um, and, of course, our hometown celebrates him a lot, um, as it should. And um, so, you know, it's, it's incredible. But Otis is, like I say, just, you know, one of the great voices, I think, of the 20th century. Uh, and uh, uh, and such a prolific and, and, and consummate professional when it comes you know comes to songwriting and crafting tunes and it mm-hmm. was it was he worked at it he worked at it don't get me wrong he was a hard-working man but it was also young a natural effortless thing for him to to create these songs that you know dock of the bay and hard to handle and, and he, so many, he so many more. recorded dock of the bay before he died in the plane crash like three days before yeah. he died and he was so young i mean yeah, very, he, he, look at how much he accomplished i mean he died what it was like around 25 or something right yeah I, I don't remember the exact age but it wasn't old no it was um, 25 26 I, yeah yeah right I, should, about I should know that but i don't <laughs> yeah i mean he was young and, but you know I, the, what i didn't know is that the plane went down in madison wisconsin which is a place we've gone to quite a bit which and, also um, by the way is a music mecca well uh, you know when I'm going to end up doing this music. Yeah. Uh, yep. Oh, and you know, they Madison, like pink flamingos. Madison is, is the home of uh, Smart Studio, which was Butch Vig. And Butch Vig was one of the most prolific recording engineers and producers during the 90s and the, the sort of the grunge era with Nirvana and Smashing Pumpkins. See, this, is, this goes to, to my theory. Where people are dealing with intense weather, you create music because you have to do something. Yeah, so when it's really have? hot, you make music that's hot. Yeah, interestingly, I mean, it's pretty funny because, you know, there's so many people that lived here in town that knew Otis, kind of backtracking. Uh, and I, I never did, yeah, of course, because yeah. I, I, I wasn't even born yet. But but uh, uh, one of my dearest friends was an incredible poet, and you actually have this audio book. Uh, that I gave you, which yeah, is the yeah. world, the worlds of Seaborn Jones, and Seaborn lived in a house uh, from the forties, I guess, that had a bomb shelter back when those things were popular. Whoa. 
And Otis used to come to his house and practice singing in his bomb shelter because he liked the acoustics. So, so many interesting things, you know, just this area has to offer. Um, and, and, you know, when we, when we talk about, so th- that's making specific, but you know, you have the Almond Brothers who, who were a, a blues band, but had a lot of jazz and R&B influences and their drummer, J-Mo, but they were one of the first bands to have two drummers and, and really start what later became called jam band, which is a genre. Um, and, mm-hmm. uh, with bands like Fish and the Grateful Dead. So it was really the Grateful Dead and the Almond Brothers that, that started that whole jam band scene. Uh, Grateful Dead, of course, from Haight Ashbury area. Uh, Almond Brothers from here. Uh, well, they were originally from Florida and Alabama, but, but really spent a, most of their, uh, longevity of their career in, in Macon, Georgia. But, you know, Jam Other Drummer was African American. So there's, there's another, and he brought in a lot of hand drums and congas and some other sort of tribal uh, sounds to what they were doing. And that was amazing. And then, of course, uh, the great James Brown is from Georgia, Ooh. who is the godfather of soul. Mm-hmm. And I would argue, I also believe the godfather of funk. Um, there, uh, Prince, I swear, Prince learned everything from him. Yeah, I mean, I mean, and, and James Brown's remarkable. We, we've, I've had the privilege of sitting down with him, uh, quietly for an hour or so, just visiting. Uh, it was a real honor to do that. And my band opened for him, uh, and and was was his opening act. And uh, and it, it just the pure magnetism of the man, the the energy, the power of. Uh, that's before you start talking about the musical ideas. He was a force of nature. Uh, then, then you know, you talk about the presence, the power, the showmanship, the dancing, the the emoting. It wasn't just singing; it was emoting. Some of the things he did wasn't musical phrasing, but just some sort of emotional explanation. Some sort of, you know, it was incredible. And and then and then you talk about all the musical ideas and and how how he arranged things and how he did things. And he was just, man, I just, I don't know. I, I, I love the fact mm. that I live in the state that brought us James Brown because I am so influenced by African-American music. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm so influenced by Hendrix for one, uh, who also had that amazing charisma uh, but I'm also so influenced by James Brown, just the, the funk and the groove and the mm-hmm. and laying down the beat and the off rhythms and all these things. And I actually played uh, the Peach Festival one year. And I had the greatest compliment of my career, I think, or at least at least in the top five. Um, and I played the, the Byron Peach Fest. And uh, I'm, I mean, I'm sorry, I said Byron. I, I played the Fort Valley Peach Fest. Byron also has one, I think. But I played Fort mm-hmm. Valley, which is the home of a wonderful uh, college, university. And, um, and, and and we played, and we played some funk. We played things like Superstition, and then we played Dock of the Bay. We played some real good Georgia music. We played Georgia on my mind. And um, an African-American lady came up to my sweet wife and said, I understand your husband is blind and I'm just wondering, does he know that he's not black? 
That's funny. That's really funny. I took that to mean that I was too funky for a white man. So uh, I love love that because I love the funk. I love the funk. That's sweet. You know, I wanted to go back to, you know, you're talking about Jimi Hendrix, right? And one uh, guitarist that um, I think Otis Redding played with in Macon was Johnny Jenkins. Absolutely. yeah, yeah. He he influenced Jimmy as well, apparently. Absolutely, absolutely. And Johnny's a celebrated hero of our hometown. There's a um there's a bus here in town. It's an electric bus. We have three, if I'm not mistaken, we have three electric buses. And this bus is called Music Masters. And uh it has I think I'm right in this. It has um Johnny's picture on it, although he has, you know, he's passed away. It has REM's picture on it because REM, two of the members of REM, Bill Barry and Mike Mills, are from Macon. Uh, but it also has my picture on it, and uh, which I think is pretty remarkable. Um, you go, dude. Yeah, and what's really exciting is that um, my picture as a blind person is under the driver's side window as if I'm sort of helping him look out for traffic. And I, part of me hopes that that was just random chance in the universe. And then part of me hopes somebody thought, <laughs> hey, here's a real smart ass thing to do. Let's put the blind guy's picture on the driver's side door. Um, I think anyway, that's funny. I'm not sure. I, I can't decide which one I want it to be. Uh, but anyway, um, the reason I mentioned it is that Johnny is celebrating on this bus uh, as he should be, and, and it's mm. just incredible. Well, now let's talk a little bit about Clarence Carter because yes. Clarence, you, I mean, he did slip away, which when you oh, people got to go back and listen to that song because and he passes. even does, yes, and Stroking. slip, oh, yeah, not even the slip away. How he managed to do his voice to do the slip away at the well, end. And like, also, the thing I love about Clarence Carter. He did his own fade out. You know what I mean? Yeah, yeah, <laughs> absolutely. Yeah, the thing I love about Clarence Carter, he's African American uh, uh, blind guitar player. And, uh, wow, um, yeah. Yeah, and there's there's not many of us blind guitar players. Um, I can only think of four, including myself. So, um, you know, but but the the blind keyboard players get all the glory. Ray Charles, Stevie Wonder, Ronnie Millsap. You know, and so everybody thinks that when you're a blind musician, you automatically play piano. Um, but yeah, Clarence Carter is amazing. I've opened for him as well, um, and uh, he's he's absolutely fantastic. Um, I spent some time with him back when Macon, Georgia, housed the Georgia Music Hall of Fame. Uh, I was uh, sort of an ambassador of the Hall of Fame and was uh, uh, very involved. I was on the board uh, of, the, of the Hall of Fame and was, like I said, very, very involved with that that space. And they asked me to come spend uh, an hour and a half or so with Clarence Carter and show him around the hall. Uh, mm-hmm. And so I did. And um, so we, you know, I got a chance to really get a chance to visit with him. It's just it's remarkable. Um, just, just such a, such a, a very talented man. You know, he tells this wonderful story about, uh, this is something he tells during his live show. 
he tells this wonderful story. Uh, it's a little risque, and so I'm not going to tell it the way he tells it. But uh, basically, he said that there was a lady that wanted to take him home for the evening and uh, show him her, her charms. Uh, <laughs> but she got confused and thought he was Ray Charles. And uh, <laughs> so he, he said, I didn't care because even though she kept saying Ray's name in the moments of passion, uh, it didn't matter because I was with her and Ray wasn't. So uh, anyway, just, just a memory that always sticks in my mind when I think about Clarence Carter. Um, oh. I've also spoken to him a number of times uh, on some of the blind email lists about uh, technology like Pro Tools and stuff like that. So, you know, we've, we've, our paths have crossed a number of times. But anyway, he's remarkable. Uh, the music is great. His band is great. Um, and uh, I'm, I'm just so glad he's from our, our area. I looked up um, Rosa King from Macon, and she was really big in Amsterdam, that in, in Europe, in the Netherlands. And she was a jazz and blues sax player and singer. Right. And she was born in 1939 in Macon. And she worked with Ben E. King, so stand by me, man, Cat right. Calloway, Eric Burton, Nancy's man. Nancy Nancy loves Eric Burton. And um, so she did a whole bunch of things that she got famous really over there. And before she passed away, she came back to Georgia to do like, it's almost, it, isn't that weird? Like, it's almost like she maybe even knew she was going to pass. So I'm coming home. And then she went to Italy and passed away there. It's kind of interesting. You know, I think yeah. people do this, they leave home and, and you can understand why so many African-American people ended up living in Europe, right? They were accepted as humans. Um, yeah, know, interestingly, you know, in. Europe's, Europe's, uh, Europe's sort of um, great divide was not race, but it was class. And yeah. but, but they did not have a race problem. They had a class problem. So, and they celebrated yeah, the arts, that. though, through, no matter well, what. Well, in, in, in Europe, the arts are still an important part of everyday life there. It's not mm -hmm. just some disposable, you know, thing that's, that's, oh, it's, you know, it's not like eating a piece of processed cheese for your lunch because you need a piece no. of something to eat. It's not, it's not just background music. It's, it's a, it's truly important part of the day. It's experience. And, yeah. Yeah. So that's, that's true. Yeah, absolutely. Mm -hmm. And, and so I think she, I mean, if she was born in 39, um, you know, she's like, that's it. I'm out. She probably did a tour there and said, that's it. I'm, I'm hanging out here. Um, and she did. Yeah, Italy's, and, Italy's beautiful. I, 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 you know, it was just there last not year. Not a bad place to leave. <laughs> not a yeah. bad place as a launching pad to the next journey. Right. You know, yeah. but I think it's interesting how people leave and then come home. Yeah. You know, well, they it's have funny that because circle. you, you know, you, it, it's weird. Like you get, you get kind of known in your hometown. And that starts, that's the launching pad for bigger things. And then you go on and do the bigger things where you, you, you go to the places that embrace you, that go to the places that resonate with you and that continue to allow you to do the, what you want to do in, in as, in as powerful and far reaching ways you can. And then at some point, you know, you've hit that mountain, you've hit that pinnacle and you start kind of saying, okay, I've reached a lot of my goals and now I'm going to, I'm going to do my art in a different way for a different purpose. And then you oftentimes do want to come back home where, where they, where they, where it all started. So yeah, it makes sense to me. I think we are human beings, you know, um, 
we are we are complicated creatures, but we are still, you know, uh, animals. And I think we do have a I do think we have a, a need to return to where it all started. Can can I go um back to Otis Redding? Sure. Um because Otis Redding's kids started a band, the Reddings, which is interesting. Um Yeah, they're they they're they've all his the whole family has always been involved in music. There's uh the Otis Redding Foundation here in town that does a oh an arts uh, summer camp every year um, where they help uh, aspiring songwriters to learn how to craft. I think it's over a two week period. I may have that wrong. I think it's two weeks uh, where they teach aspiring songwriters and performers, you know, how to, 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 you know, have an entree into the business. Um, His, uh, his, his brother, there was, there was a Roger Redding who was a, a booking agent here in town for for a lot of big acts, you know, some local acts, but a lot of you know international acts as well. Uh, there's Dexter and Otis Redding the third. Um, right, he's passed away already. Yeah, he, that's yeah, early. he did. He, he did. Yeah, and uh, they they both you know did a lot of music. So there's there's a lot of that there. Uh, his his daughter, his uh, uh, you know, and, and her her uh, son. Um, are both very involved in those Reading Foundation. So there's a lot. There's mm-hmm. a lot of the, the legacy is still continuing. And I'm going to go back now to um, some of our black women, Randy Crawford, Veronica Randy Crawford, who was born in um, Macon. She was in jazz, R&B, disco, and smooth jazz, right? Um, she's retired now, apparently. But she was, again, very successful in Europe. Um, you know, she, she's up there. She did things, um, street life. She's got, that's her, her big hit. And she, uh, sang with Rick Springfield on the song, uh, taxi dancing. Uh, it's, do you know what? This is insane. How much is coming out of your town? You know, well, and, and just Georgia in general. I mean, if we think about, we want to talk about jazz. We need to talk about Johnny Mercer, who was a big, you know, mm-hmm. big in Savannah, Georgia. Uh, and we ought to talk about Ben Tucker, who also is from Savannah, Georgia, who played with Herbie Mann and wrote the the jazz standard "Coming Home, Baby." We talk about Connie Haynes, a great jazz vocalist with Tommy Dorsey and and Buddy Rich and all these other people, who was a vocalist from Savannah. So, uh, of course, the the alternative music scene from Atlanta and from Athens, the B fifty twos. You know, you've got so much stuff. But Ben Tucker uh, was African American. Uh, and, and one of my favorite people in the whole world, just so, so kind. And also one of the things that kind of going back to your point, um, there was a wonderful African-American disc jockey here in Macon, Georgia, and his name on the air was King B, King B. Mm -hmm. And his real name was Hamp Swain. Uh, and Hamp is responsible for helping to break Otis Redding and James Brown both. And this is back in an era when, you know, disc mm. jockeys had some power and some clout and the stations weren't, you know, some guy in New York wouldn't tell you what to play in Macon, Georgia. You know, yeah. um, now as you, you can just tell, get a playlist. Yeah. You get, yeah, now it's more homogenized. Uh, mm-hmm. And somebody that doesn't live in your community tells you what to play, which I think is nuts. 
But uh, I'm not saying you can't have some direction from a corporate office, but but the people that are in town that live here should have some control as well. But Hamp was a dear, dear friend of mine mm -hmm. and just really uh, so amazing and so, so tied into the music scene. And uh, when I was younger and doing my own radio shows, I actually had him do the recorded intro for two of my shows uh, because I respected his, his, his part in history uh, mm -hmm. for helping to break African-American artists. And he actually did end up in the Georgia Music Hall of Fame, um, which is most appropriate. Uh, but yeah, just, just amazing. There's a guy who said, you know, I, James Brown's got talent. Otis Raymond has talent. I'm going to help these guys. That's amazing. And, and it's just so cool that, that he, that he did that and that he was part of the reason they were successful. Well, didn't some of the recording studios back in the day actually have like, a radio station too. Weren't there some that had uh, like a connected I, there, thing? There are some, I have way back when. That, that, I'm talking yeah, about I, way, I heard, way. Yeah, yeah. I have, I've heard of that. Um, it's not I mean, real common. It was, it's not real common anymore. Um, but yeah, there, that, if you're talking about the early birth of radio, you know, you yeah. had, you had NBC back, back when, when you had NBC Red, NBC Blue, uh, you had CBS and ABC and all these radio stations before they became television networks and they would program, they would, they would, uh, New York, you, you, your local station would patch in through the telephone line or the telegraph line, some program happening in the ballroom in New York city. You know, that was the, the way they used to transmit. Uh, and, and, and then they did start having some, some, some recording studios being Crosby famously was one of the one people that really got that whole thing going because he started recording his shows. Mm -hmm. uh, uh, and, and so um, I would say being Crosby and Les Paul are two of the biggest unsung heroes of recording technology. <laughs> mm -hmm. So they got started. But yeah, I've definitely seen and heard of some radio stations that had studios. And in fact, um, uh, 99X, which was a huge, uh, alternative rock radio station in Atlanta, Georgia, that you could also get on a on a clear day. You could get here in Macon. They had a whole series of um, of the NIX uh, concerts that they recorded and broadcast. Um, so they kind of had a a live recording uh, availability. It wasn't really a recording studio, but it was that availability. And 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 there's also um, uh, Georgia Georgia uh, State with their radio station album 88 had a recording facility set up in their radio station where they could record bands live in their studio. So there was some of that wow. even back in the nineties. Well, speaking about recordings, I want to go to Lucille Nelson Hegeman from Macon, Georgia. Okay. You, you need to get this museum going. I'm sorry. You're the ambassador. Even if it was online, we need, we need a Macon, Museum, museum. Well, you museum. know, it's funny. It's funny you mentioned that because uh, the Georgia Music Hall of Fame uh, lasted a, a good while, um, and uh, then uh, you know a, a combination of things happened, um, and um, you know it was partially funded by our government, 
And mm. our government basically oh, said, mm. we, we have no further interest in funding this. So all the exhibits were broken up and sent to five or six different universities across the state. Oh, um, that's good, though. So the exhibits exist at other at some universities, but there's no central place for the Georgia Music Hall of Fame. And I mean, you know, I I love making Georgia, but I will tell you that for whatever reason, and I don't pretend to know what it is, um, we have a hard time holding on to good stuff. Uh, well, I we want to, yeah. You know, I mean, we, we people move on. Yeah, people move on, but. Lucille, this is why I say this. Lucille uh, Hegeman, if I'm saying that right, so she was born in Macon in 1894, November 29th, mm-hmm. 1894. She died in 1970. Yeah. Um, so she she was uh, a Nelson and, of course, started in church and theater, and then she started touring the South by the time she was uh, 15. And um, she settled in Chicago, and she was often billed as the Georgia Peach, Talk about, you know, nice that. And she worked with Tony Jackson and Jelly Roll Morton. Nice. And then she married the pianist and composer Bill Hegeman. And um, I'm reading this part from Wikipedia, everyone. So just to be very clear. And it says in there that she told a biographer, I was a cabaret artist in those days and never had to play theaters. Um, And I sang everything from blues to popular songs in a jazz style. I think I can say without bragging that I made the St. Louis blues popular in Chicago. This was one of my featured numbers. So then she ended up moving to LA in 1918, then New York city. And they had a band, the two of them, her and her husband, the blue flame syncopators. And that's great. Jimmy Wade was a part of the uh, band. And then in 1920, she became the second African-American blues singer to record. How about that? I did this not is know after that. Mamie Smith. Yeah, I did not know that. This, That's very cool. Yeah, that is huge yeah. history. Yeah, That's what, huge you history. said what, you're 1920? Yeah, 1920. Uh-huh. Uh, she because recording was so new back then, you didn't have a yeah. whole lot of people getting recorded in, in that time. So that's what um, I'm saying when you talk about having a museum. That is huge making history. Well, it's funny because, you know, we, we used to have the AAA ball team for for the Braves, the Macon Braves. Um, and that, that moved on you know, to other places. So I I love Macon and I would love to have the Georgia Music Hall of Fame here again. But even if that's not possible, it needs to be somewhere. It needs to be somewhere. You know, I if you... Online, something online is something that people can, it's not as good as a building, right, ever. No. But it's something accessible to people to see exhibits. You can zoom in on things. You can do audio. You know, we talk about that all the time, the importance of audio. I tell, I tell you, every every author, I'm like, is your book out on audio yet? <laughs> Joey will come <laughs> after you. Yeah, you know? I'd like to read it. <laughs> yeah, well, most people too just listen on when they're driving or doing dishes or whatever. You know? I don't know if anybody does dishes anymore, but you know what I mean. Um, it's it's really I do dishes, but you know, yeah, it's it's yeah, it's um, people listen, and I just think you know it would be cool to have an online presence for this music history, even if it was just for Macon itself. Yeah. Um, 
because you really do have some amazing and incredible history that could just be an online presence that hopefully people would actually go there. I mean, even when you talk about Otis Redding and, you know, when he passed away, he's buried 20 miles. I think it's on a private ranch though, away from Macon, you know, um, yeah. in the Allman brothers, you know, you were talking about, you know, the one song, um, was, you West know, it, yeah, it was, was, you know, inspired by a tombstone in a graveyard. And you know, Nancy and I love graveyards, by yeah, the way. Yeah, and that, and that 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 is here in Macon, Georgia. And two of the Allen brothers are actually buried in the Rose Hill Cemetery as well, Barry Oakley See? and Dwayne Allman. Wow. So. I love that their kids are off doing stuff now. I love oh, that. Oh, yeah. I love these second-generation artists going out. I think that's a really cool – They they're doing their own thing, but still keeping that torch playing, you know? That is pretty cool. It is. It is. Joey, we'll never stop talking about this now. See, we opened Pandora's box on Georgia music. <laughs> um, it's all good. And it's a good thing that you're with us every fourth Sunday. Everyone keep up with Joey at joeystuckymusic.com. Anything anyone should know about that's happening for you in, in March? What's coming up for spring? Uh, uh, well, it's a busy time. Um, obviously, I'm always doing recording sessions at the studio. That's my primary source of income. Uh, but I'll be doing one, two, three different music conferences uh, via Zoom. So if you are in Washington State, Alberta, Canada, or St. Louis, Missouri, you may see me at a, a conference via Zoom. Um, these are... Uh, conferences that are a combination of uh, online and in person. And then in April, I'll be headed down to SCAD uh, Savannah campus for uh, three days of master classes that I'm teaching. And uh, probably in May, uh, we'll be back out at Smith's old bar. So if, if you like Atlanta, Georgia, and you like coming out to good independent music venues, We'll be, we'll probably be there. I know we're going to be there at some point. I think we're kind of looking at a toss of the date in May around um, to go out to Smith's and play a Friday night or a Saturday night there. So uh, always a good time. So yeah, uh, and then just tons of tons of uh, recording sessions and and uh, podcasts and God knows whatever I, whatever trouble I can get into. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> just, he likes you know, it. Yeah, I mean February's been a really uh, wonderful month. We spent two weeks in L.A. Uh, at NAM and at uh, uh, the Grammys and uh, went to uh, just saw a lot of old friends, made a lot of new friends, did some performing. Uh, so it was awesome. I mean, the only thing that was bad about L.A. is the Pineapple Express torrential rain and L.A. doesn't handle rain very well, at least not in that quantity. Uh, so that was kind of tricky. And it was the first time we, we visit L.A. every year around January, late January, early February for NAM and for the Grammys and usually spend a week to two weeks out there depending on the schedule. And uh, the, 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 for the first time, I built in two extra days for us to go out and enjoy the wonderful weather and enjoy two days at the beach. And, of course, <laughs> it rained and we could not go to the beach and it was very sad. <laughs> well, so, let me tell you, in Georgia, you have some beautiful beaches, you know. Yeah, son of a you beach. Got those, you got those islands and, um, you know, so you got good places. So, you know, and hey, yeah, we're gonna, who we're knows? Going down, like I said, we're going to SCAD. We're going to Savannah in, in April. So maybe oh, we'll yeah. spend a little time at the beach down there while we're there. Oh, go to Tybee. Tybee. Yeah, Tybee's great. Tybee's great. Tybee's beautiful. I love that. 
Oh, man. I love it out there. So, yeah. And hopefully this spring, Nancy and I will get to hang out with you in person. That'll be. Yeah. If it doesn't happen this year, I'm going to start taking it personally. I know. I know. <laughs> it's like, but it'll be it'll like, do you know how loud it will be? Oh, my God. Like, yeah, we'll, we'll have to get some sort of special noise ordinance uh, lifted. Well, yeah, exactly, exactly. Put us in the sound booth and, you know. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Turn I the mics off. My, yeah, got soundproof in my whole building, so we should be fine. I know, exactly. I like it. I like it. Well, thanks so much, Joey. You take care, and we'll talk to you soon for the next recording. Always a pleasure, friend. Thank you for listening to Big Blend Radio. Keep up with our shows at BigBlendRadio.com.